Before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we have loved bringing you shows like Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches or the new Earth Rangers Underground podcast, and especially the new episodes in the Six Minutes feed, the ones about the Cyrus Lost Tapes. And this is when I need to say a big thank you to all our GZM subscribers. Your support makes independent audio like this possible. If you're not a GZM subscriber yet, right now is the time to join for ad-free listening, early access, and more. Show your support and learn more at gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you. Hi, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. My name is Jonathan Messenger, and with me is my official sidekick, Bebop Robomogo Wanatron. And a good day to you, sir. Wow. So formal, Bebop. Well, if you're just going to talk about me like I'm your sidekick, if we just have a professional relationship, if we're just colleagues, then I will speak to you professionally. So, sally forth, my good man. That's not really how colleagues talk. Pip-pip, we have a show to do. I think you're mistaking formal Victorian English for... Tally-ho, and long live the queen, let us henceforth commence with the program. Okay, if you say so, my good robot. If you all remember what happened in the last episode, Bunce was back, he saved the day, and... He and Troop 301 are going on a mission together. In the Shakespeare 820, down is up, left is right, cats are dogs! Let's see what happens in today's episode of the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. Abra Kabaybay. Well now, isn't this cozy? Bunce was sitting in the captain's chair of the bridge of the Shakespeare A-20. Finn and the rest of the explorers of Troop 301 were all sitting in various chairs, spread out. Juliana was sitting next to her father. She hadn't talked to Finn since his mother had sent him off on this quest. It's a bit weird, isn't it? asked Bunce, to no one in particular. Being on the Shakespeare, I mean. It's like the Marlowe, but it's not the Marlowe. Yeah, said Valet, I know what you mean. It's sort of like you. It's like you're the captain, but you're not a captain. Bunce laughed. Ah, that's a good one. I can't even really be mad at you, because that got me good. Valet was surprised that Bunce hadn't fired back at him, and smiled that his joke had landed well. But Finn was skeptical. Why was Bunce being so nice? Bunce noticed Finn looking at him funny. You don't trust me. Do you, young Caspian? Nope, said Finn. Juliana flinched, but Finn didn't make eye contact. I understand. I've been villain number one all your young life, said Bunce. Not my whole life, said Finn. Claudius was pretty bad. He's been number one for a while now. Worse than me? Finn almost smiled. He knew the thought of it drove Bunce crazy. Much worse, said Finn. Bunce shifted uncomfortably. Well, it's not fair. 
I was cast away. I wasn't able to compete for the best villain for a while there, and he had a whole space station he could just fly around in. Juliana touched her dad's forearm. Dad, it's okay, she said. It's actually a good thing not to be the worst person in the universe. Oh yeah, right. There was a long, awkward silence after that. Excuse me, Mr. Bunce. It was foggy. He had been quiet about the whole trip up until now. There's one thing I don't understand. You said that Claudius had stolen magic, and that you had been given magic by the creatures on this planet. Yes. So my understanding of magic is that it isn't a thing. It's something you do. You cast a spell, or perform a ritual, etc. And then something spectacular happens. So if it is something you do, how can it be stolen? And how can it be returned? An excellent question, said Bunce. He pressed a few buttons on the console and stood up. That should set our course correctly. Here, let me show you. Bunce led them off the bridge and through the corridors of the Shakespeare. It was strange how much it felt like the Marlowe, but Finn would never feel at home on this ship. They reached what would have been the robot room on the Marlowe, and Bunce opened the door. In the center of the room was a table, and on top of it was a large chest. Bunce opened it and pulled out a thick tube, holding it above his head. This is the magic, said Bunce, as if he had just lifted Excalibur from the lake. Looks like a tube, said Abigail. It is a scroll, said Bunce, and shush, don't be so disrespectful, or the magic may turn against you. So this is how Claudius stole it, said Elias, as Bunce unrolled the scroll. He somehow smuggled these scrolls off their planet? Oh, it's much, much worse than that, said Bunce. The magic is in a very difficult tongue, a language it can take many, many years to learn. Claudius had to first gain the trust of the aliens who would wield this magic, and then convince them to use it on him to essentially transform his brain so that he would understand and be able to speak the language of the scrolls. It was at that point, once he learned the language, that he stole the scrolls and made his way toward you all. But there's one thing I don't understand, said Foggy. How did you convince them to give you magic? If I were a community of magic-wielding aliens and one human came along and stole it after gaining my trust, I would not then just hand it to the next human who arrived. Yes, said Bunce. He began rolling up the scroll. A bargain was struck. What does that mean? said Juliana. Sounds kind of ominous, Dad. It means that what happened between me and those magical creatures is between us, and not something for children, or robots, to worry about. Okay. So, do some magic, said Vale. <laughs> laughed Bunce. Preposterous! I am not some stage magician. These are not card tricks. I'm not going to put a little bean under a cup and shuffle it around with two more cups and have you guess which cup is the bean under. What? said everybody. Never mind, said Bunce. And he stormed out of the room, carrying the scroll with him. The troop followed. How do we know you really know magic? said Abigail. What? You weren't satisfied with the restoration of your precious Marlowe and the return of my daughter Juliana? said Bunce. That wasn't enough of a show for you? 
He opened the door to the bridge and entered again. How do we know that was you, though? said Finn. It could have been the aliens. They could have done it from their planet. That type of magic doesn't just travel across... It's very powerful. It's not something that... Oh, you just wouldn't understand. He doesn't have magic, said Elias. I knew it. I do! Doesn't seem like it, said Vale. Juliana, you believe me, don't you? Um, sure, Dad. But there was enough hesitation in her voice to set Bunce off. Fine. You kids want to see some magic? Here you go. See that blue planet up there? Bunce pointed to a distant planet visible through the bridge's viewscreen. No, said Finn. Bunce, it's okay. No, you all think you're so smart. I'm going to turn that blue planet green. Dad, you don't have to do that, said Juliana. Oh no, apparently I do, said Bunce. And don't worry, it won't actually turn green. It will just appear green to us. This seems like a bad idea, said Foggy. I know, said Vali. Let him do it. I can't wait to see what happens. Bunce unrolled the scroll. Fleas and possum growl a gang. That's it, said Abigail. Pew, said Bunce. There, there you have it. There we have what, said Finn. They all looked out the view screen. The blue planet that had been there was gone. It wasn't green, it was completely gone. Oops, said Bunce. Did I say growla? I think I was supposed to say growle. Or is it growl wow 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 You destroyed a planet and all you can say is oops, yelled Abigail. It's not destroyed, said Bunce. It's just, um, shrunken. Probably not even that badly, to be honest. Just too small for us to see from this distance, but it's probably the size of a small city now. Ugh, said Finn. You know what that means. I do, said Bunce. We must go down there and fix it. Our first Troop 301 exploration as a team awaits us. Everyone groaned. Yay! said Bunce. All right, so we get to see Bunce's magic for the first time, and surprise, surprise, it's not that great. Did he shrink the planet? Did he make it disappear? What's going to happen when they get down there? Are the aliens going to welcome them? Are the aliens going to be teeny tiny? Are they going to be very angry? We'll find out in the next episode. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and we will see you next week. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And if you want more great shows for the whole family, go to gzmshows.com. Gen Z Media is releasing new shows all the time. Check it out. And as you know, the Alien Adventures of Fincast is a Gen Z kids production written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. Our intern is Emerson Messenger. 
The music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is made by the greatest human in the multiverse, Mark Greenberg. Our cover art is by Sir Ian Dingman. And, fun fact, I broke our website today, so you can't really go to fincastme.com, but generally speaking, you could go to fincastme.com to find out more about our show. Send us your art, send us your jokes, we're going to start rolling those out again. And if you have any tips on how to fix a PHP error on a website, let me know. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. (laughs) I broke the website. I wore winter boots every day for two years. I hate climbing trees. I'm Deborah Goldstein, host of the podcast The Big Fib, and half of those statements were indeed fibs. On every episode of The Big Fib, we bring on two grown-ups. One is an expert and the other is a liar. And it's the job of our human child contestant to help us figure out who is who, because no one can spot a liar better than a kid. We've had episodes on everything from Minecraft to mythology and from Lego to libraries. Join me and my robot co-host, Lisa, on The Big Fib on Apple Podcasts or on gzmshows.com.